Come on, somebody tell your neighbor, God is in this house. Now, come on, say it like you believe it. Y'all believe that today, God is in this house? Amen. Somebody say amen. I believe that um, God is doing some amazing, amazing, amazing things in our church. I mean, last week alone, we had, we had our leadership, uh, a short leadership conference and a little meeting, and we um, met for about two and a half hours or so. All our ministry workers, we had a great time. I just want to make some announcements before I go into my sermon for the day. Is that all right? I do want to, Carmen, could you stand up? Um, Carmen, um, somebody clap for awesome minister, Carmen. <clears throat> Carmen, um, minister Carmen, in, in the month of, of somewhere, I haven't set a, a specific date yet. We haven't talked about a specific date. In between the months of February and March, she will be um, elevated in the church to the assistant pastor position. Come on, somebody say amen. We, we thank God for Carmen. She's been faithful for 26 years, and we thank you for that. Amen. You have your seat. We also have in our midst, we, um, God has been, how can you say it? Um, me and my uncle, Minister Jose, have been talking, and the only way we can explain it is God is orchestrating things. Anybody ever seen an orchestra? How each, each move of the man's hand, it means something, and it's an amazing thing. And one of the things that God brought into our midst is a um, superb, 100%, just phenomenal uh, accountant into the building. Amen. And this accountant happens to specialize in nonprofit organizations. Y'all not excited about that. So what that means is that you can, not only do we have a company that we, we have in, uh, in, I don't even know where he's at, somewhere in like, Illinois, Tennessee, there you go. He's in Tennessee, and they monitor all our monies and our paperwork to make sure we are on the up and up. But now we have, come on, Robert, you can stand up. He's going to take the place of our new treasure. Amen. He will be the church treasurer, and we just thank God. For the shifting changes, and he's an he's a awesome guy. He's a wealth of knowledge. He serves at Cornerstone Church, which is now running about 800 members, so we're going to hold him to that until we get to 800, and then we'll see what he does. He served as the president of the board over there, but God has called him home. Amen? Somebody shout glory. We have some amazing things. In the month of January, on January 15th, which is the most special day of the year, in case nobody knew, um, it is my birthday, but besides that, um, yeah, it is the, I heard the oh wows. I don't know who that came from, but it was from you. I just heard the oh wows. Oh my God, like he did not. You know, I was talking to Minister Melvin today, and we talked about how hard it is to wake up in the morning. Anybody ever woke up in the morning and just realized how awesome you were? And how awesome God had made you? And how you had to live in that fulfillment every day? I'm just kidding. But on January 15th, we do have one of the most, um, I, can, I can literally say to you, one of the nation's most sought after speakers right now. And his name is Pastor John Moratori. He um, tours the world, speaking business conferences, speaking all types of um, ministry leadership. He has the, he's a best-selling author. He has a new curriculum. It's bestseller all over the country, colleges. I mean, you go from Coke to Pepsi to every major organization. Secular organizations are booking this Christian pastor to speak at their stuff. And he's going to be coming to do a, um, a, a conference at our church. It's an all-day conference from 9 to 4 on Saturday the 15th. We have registration forms in the back. I believe it's $25. Um, he's given us the most, I mean, he, he's, he's given us the best bargain we can ask for as far as his um, cost to bring him here. He's an amazing man of God. You will be blessed. You do not want to miss this. Write that down in your, if you're taking notes. So January 15th, you, you've got to talk to Lori, see what the registration fees are, all that good stuff. And he'll be coming to preach the 16th also. Amen. And so we just, we just thank God for these things that are happening. And Lori's going to make those announcements but sometimes, they, some people don't listen at the end of service, so I figure I'd just do it now. 
Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say, my tears birthed my blessing. Now say it like you mean it. My tears birthed my blessing. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 118, the fifth verse. And I personally am reading from the New International Translation. And I've been thinking about this topic for some time. And I believe about a year ago, I said I would have preached this message and never preached it. And I am a man of my word. I didn't say when I was going to preach it, but now I'm preaching it. Amen. If you're taking notes, the, the title of this sermon is My Tears Birth My Blessing. Amen. My tears gave birth to my blessing. In Psalms 118, the fifth verse says this. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord. And he answered by setting me free. Y'all wasn't excited about that. Help me out here, Manny. Y'all wasn't excited about that. In my anguish, meaning my pain, my misery, my discomfort, my hectic life, in the middle of my sorrows and my depression, in the middle of my stresses, in the, right in the middle of everything that was going wrong that could possibly go wrong in my life, I called out to God in my anguish, and he answered by setting me free. Y'all, y'all picking this up already? So I realized that when a baby cries, you can always tell when a, when a kid is crying. Ain't nothing worse than a kid who always cries. But you can always tell a kid who's faking it. How? Because they ain't got no tears. So I realized the psalmist is saying, I cried to God, meaning my tears were there. They were streaming down my face. I got serious with God. I was in desperation mode. There was no other place I could go but God. And when I went to that place, he set me free, and that was his answer. What is the value of your tears, the nights that we spend in our homes, our bedrooms crying? The times that you found yourself, whether crying externally or internally, you found yourself weeping, hurting. Come on, somebody talk to me there. Well, no one knew what the source of your tears were. So many people viewed crying or tears as immaturity as emotionalism. Tears are viewed as weakness sometimes or even portrayed as wrong. Men are told men don't cry. Tears have been given a bad reputation when in reality they are a signal to God that nothing else is working out. I'm going to say that again. Your tears are like a flare that you send up to God that lets him know you are at your breaking point. Somebody say amen. Uh, your tears beckon God. They command the attention of God. If you take your notes, write that down. My tears command the attention of God. I want you to be able to see through the scripture that when you cry out to God, not only will he hear you, but he will set you free. Understand today that just talking about an issue to God doesn't work. Thinking about your problems to God doesn't work. Being anxious about your issues don't work. Being hard-hearted towards your issues don't work. 
closing your mind to God because he hasn't answered you in the allotted time frame that you designated for him does not work. But there is something about a man or a woman of God who cries out to him in a desperation moment. Somebody say amen. The people who aren't afraid, you ladies, to let your makeup run, who don't think you're too cute to get before God and say, I don't care how everybody else sees me. Because all these people have seen me at my best, but I can't let them see my makeup run. I woke up so early to set this one up, Ivan. They don't know what it takes to look like this. And we as a generation of Christians will be so proud as to not let God take control. Us men who think we are too manly to cry out to God. That we become too, too, uh, how would you say you Puerto Rican that I said it before, with the machismo. We're just too manly. Men don't cry. God knows I love him. I don't need to tear up in the presence of God. And we get to this point, we're got, man, let me tell you something. When I was a kid and I would do something bad, and if my father whipped me and I didn't cry, what would he do? Oh, oh, that didn't hurt? Oh, it's in there. He will whip me some more. And some of you wonder why you keep having God beat you down, mess with your life, messing everything up and saying, I need you to understand. I'm trying to get a hold of you. Why can't you see this is me? You just got to break down and cry out to God. I wish somebody would pick this up today. For too long, we've walked away from things and we've, we, I'm so sick and tired of these prayers that have no faith behind them. I'm so tired of us praying for sick folk and walk away and they still sick. Because we don't want to stay there and invest the time to pray until something happens. You don't want to press past. That's not faith. It takes more faith for you to stay there and look like a fool to the world and keep on praying for that person than it does for you to pray for them once and walk away and say, well, God's going to do it for you. You understand me? How many of you have an ailment in your life? How many of you have someone in your family who's sick? Someone in your, in your inner circle who's struggling, hurting? They have some type of pain, some type of sickness and infirmity in their body. And you say a prayer for them once a day. And God said, well, that's not faith. That's, that's not faith at all. Faith is going to their house with an overnight bag. And saying, well, I'm going to pray here until something happens. Because God is not a man that he would lie, and his word would never return void. And if I put those two together, I understand as long as I call out to God, I will have an answer. Tell the person next to you, he has an answer for you. Leaving it in God's hands, so to speak. I don't understand these things. You have to understand that when you cry out to God, we need to have that true faith to push past your your own emotions, your own your own pride, so to speak. You have to push past what you would refer to as the status quo of the Christian realm. That we don't have to do the things they used to do in the Bible. We don't have to operate like that. This is 2010. What is wrong with alternative lifestyles? There's nothing wrong with premarital sex. Why not smoke some marijuana if they legalize it? I mean, what it comes from the ground, Pastor. I don't understand why I can't get drunk with wine. I just don't. It's 2010. Why can't I smoke some cigarettes? 
It's not a sin to me. I don't view it as a sin, but God says, I don't know if you understand. I'm going to just tell you something real quick. This is a side note. This is, this is free. Can I tell you something? Who are we trying to be like? Christ, right? The Bible says to be like Christ, to emulate him, to imitate him, to do your best to be and live a life like Christ. Amen? So, Christ is who? He's God in the flesh. Amen? I'm going to lead you down the path and I'm just laying down a foundation. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we keep flip-flopping, number one. That's not Christ-like. And number two, that means we need to deal with the situations like the Bible deals with them, whether it was 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. We need to have the same mindset as the Word of God. And so when you see these things where, where God was, was, was dealing with people in different ways because of their sins, God don't... You know, how many of you ever heard somebody say, well, it's 2010 now, get over it? Do you realize something? I don't know if when people say that they have a, they must not read their Bible because the Bible clearly tells me that God has no time. God don't, to God, he doesn't know if it's 2010 or 32,000 BC. I need you to understand, there's time and here's God. He lives outside of it. If you were watching a DVD at your home without looking at the counter on the bottom, could you tell me the exact spot where your DVD was? The exact minutes and seconds, that's kind of like God. He doesn't care. He is watching it play out. And you have to understand that when you talk about, well, it's 2000, and, well, it's this, and, well, the times have changed. God's like, what, what is time? I, t- I can't relate to that. Are you with me? And so if you read the Bible, you will see people always cried out to God. They always let it all hang out. We aren't here to be cute, look good, or or be a fashion show in church, amen? Now, it doesn't help if you do look good, but I'm just saying. We come to church to address real-life issues. We come to church to address real-life hurts, pains, amen? We come to church to fulfill real necessities of spirituality. We come to church to fill that void in our lives that only God can fit into. We come to church not because somebody wants us to, not because we think it's fun, or because there's guys or girls here. We come to church to deal with God, and that is it. So whether you come in your pajamas, or you come in your Sunday best, or all you got in your closet is the the stuff you wore at the clubs, you just need to come to deal with the issues that you got to deal with. And when you get here, do not be afraid to cry out to God and to address your issues. You've got to realize coming to church to look good and to, and to, and to have that pride in you that you will not let God take control. Because you're worried about the person next to you and what they might think of you. I have, a, I have, I have, a, I have something for you today. I have this amazing, amazing thing for you. Is anybody ready? I mean, are you really ready? Elias, who's sitting over there to your left? Well, it's Emma, isn't it? Look past the one chair. Have faith, son. That's Emma, amen? And that's Danny walking by. I'm just kidding. And so, Emma, who's sitting next to you? Yeah, Lori. Now, if you decided not to cry out to God because of what Lori thought about you, when you go home, what does it matter? 
Why? Because Lori doesn't live with you. And so, so many of us refuse. Well, I don't think I have to get that radical, Pastor. I don't see why I should really... Well, I don't know why every time they seem free to run Sister Carmen and, and, and Daniel run around the church. That's not for me. Because I have these high heels on and Lord knows. I just, you know what? If that's a problem, then we're flats, ladies. <laughs> Want to throw that out there? If you men have that problem, we got to talk after church. <laughs> you should not be wearing heels <laughs> greater than, you know, half an inch. I'm just, but I'm, I'm trying, what I'm trying to tell you here is it is not worth not going the extra mile. It's not worth. Why is it when it comes to yourself, you will give yourself the best? When it comes to God, you will not. You would justify spending extra money on an outfit. You would justify spending extra money on that car, putting in those granite countertops, getting those nice maple cabinets. You would justify getting that nice new you know, 45-inch, 47-inch TV you wanted, LED, 3D. It makes you, I mean, you can get shot by watching cops. It's so real. You would justify it. Had to wear a flat jacket just to watch that cop show. It was horrible. I'm just... Could you imagine that? In other news, 17 people were killed last night watching cops. I mean... But my point is, you will go the extra mile for me. But when it comes to God, it's... Amen, great service, I went home. With all the same issues you came in the door with. You ever watch these wedding shows? People will go all out on their weddings. They will go the best on their one big day. Their one big day. But they never give our best for God. Amen? I want you to think about this for a second, and if you're taking notes, this would be a great, a great thing for you to, to really re reflect back on for the rest of the next year. Um... In your relationship with God, one being the worst, ten being the strongest, in reality, factoring in your worship, factoring in your, 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 how you treat God, how you, how you study and pray, reading your Bible, what is your relationship with God at? Write it down. This kid, his birthday doesn't know how to act, Amen. Refer to that for the rest of this next year and say, I've been operating at a six, which according to school level is failure. That's like a D minus. You just made it. Come on. He had to put it out there. I had to get him. Think about your number in your life and say, wow, am I truly? And then at, the, at what point do I say, I've got to change some things, amen? Check this scripture out. Uh, let, me, let me give you this quote that I, I heard about from a book called Beyond the Lie by Alice Smith. Our emotions only react. Emotions can't think, organize, or plan. Emotions are involuntary responders to circumstances. Emotional responses correspond to your personality, and they demonstrate how strongly you feel about an issue and trigger the reactions that you take. Tears, your emotions, are the reaction of someone pulling your trigger. You with me today? Emotions react to situations, but tears call to God. Emotions tell your personality, and they tell us all about who you are, but your tears reveal the depth of your heart. A big difference. 
Psalms 56, verse 8. The psalmist writes, Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? The psalmist here is writing and he says, God is keeping a note of all my tears. He's got them bottled up somewhere in heaven. For some of you, you might have a gallon. For some of you, you have a soda factory. Depending on how emotional you are. For some of us men, you probably have no tears in heaven. I'm just kidding. But God says that he takes all your tears and he records why you're crying. Come on, that's profound right there. As I look back over my own life, I remember times where I was reduced to tears. And, and the tears were all I had as a response for the situation that I faced. And when I let them flow, I found freedom and peace through the tears God directed my path. I couldn't see where I was going because I, I, I was encompassed with tears. I was emotionally distraught and I couldn't find my own path. But it was when I couldn't see no more with my physical eyes that I was able to let God guide me with my spiritual eyes. It was when I could not go any further that he said, good, now you are running on empty and now I have to come in and fill you up. Psalms 66 Verses 16 to 20. Come and listen, all you who fear and respect God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. For I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished, meaning loved, sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Ask yourself why God's not hearing your prayers. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. The, the psalmist realizes if he had loved sin, God would not hear him. His tears would have been useless. His plea would have been rejected. Anybody wonder why you have been rejected in your prayers to God? I challenge you now to release the love of sin, the, 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 the desire to sin, the, the addiction to sin we have, the the. The, the total aspect of just having a connection with the sin in your life. That you would release it. That when you begin to get humble and desperate, God will hear you. In Exodus chapter 2, it begins to tell you the story of Egypt. And it, it describes how the Israelites cried unto God and he sent them a deliverer named Moses. In Exodus 14, it was the Israelites again stuck in between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And they were about to be killed. And they cried out to God. And he split the Red Sea. Somebody say amen. It was in Judges chapter 3 that the, the Israelites were living in sin. And when they turned over their lives from sin and then they cried to God, he sent them a deliverer named Ehud and he led them to freedom. In Judges 4, Israel was enslaved by Canaan and they cried out to God and God sent them Deborah to lead them into freedom. You read Judges chapter 6, and it's a story of a man named Gideon. And the, this army of the Midianites, this different nation had come, and they kept on robbing Israel, and they cried out to God. And he heard them. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, Hannah was at the temple, and she cried out to God, and God gave her a son named Samuel because she could not have children. And they thought that she was drunk. She was crying so bitterly. In 2 Kings 4, verse 1, the very famous story of Elisha. 
he comes to a widow whose husband had just died. And she says, prophet, man of God, they're going to take my children as slaves because I owe them money. And he told her, after she cried out to the man of God, who cried out to God, he showed her, he said, if you would take all the pots you can find and take that little bit of oil you have in your house and pour it into the pots. And the Bible just begins to tell you this phenomenal, fantastic, amazing, almost unbelievable story, how she took just a little bit of oil and it never stopped flowing from that jar. And as God provided, she filled every single bowl she could find in that town and she sold all the oil and she paid her debt off and had some money afterwards. Why? Because she cried out to God. Some of you need to cry out to God for your issues in your home, with your children, in your marriages. We need to give up on giving up. We need to step into faith. We need to get into the reality that your life is on a collision course and that we need to cry out to God. In First Chronicles 4, Jabez cried out to God and he cried out to God for something that wasn't even a necessity. He just said, Lord, enlarge my territory. And when God said, well, he cried out to me, he was, he was crying. He's being serious about it, so I, I'm just going to give it to him. You don't have to just cry out to God for things that, are, that, you, that you cannot live without. <laughs> you have to understand this. Now, I'm not saying go crawl into your room and cry for a Mercedes. But that if you say, God, I just need you to bring a freedom to me. God, I just need you to bring a, a, a peace over my household. That it seems good right now, but I know it gets to get a little better, God. I need you to bring some freedom into my heart. I wish somebody would understand this today. I'm preaching to one of you, I hope. In Second Chronicles, then, the story of Hezekiah was faced by the Assyrian army, and he did one thing. Somebody guess what it is? He cried out to God, and God destroyed the entire army. If you, everybody knows the story of Peter walking on water, right? And he began to go through the water when he lost his faith. What does the Bible say he did? He cried out to the Lord, and Jesus caught him. Somebody say amen. So the person next to you, he can catch you. You read the story of the, of the blind man named Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus cried, and he was screaming to Jesus, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy. He was shouting and crying the whole way through. They were telling him to shut up, and somebody just finally said, Jesus, he wants you. And he was made whole. He was healed. And he was no longer blind Bartimaeus. He was just Bartimaeus. You need to cry out to God so that you are not the person you used to be. That you are not identified as the person you used to act like, that you used to be. Y'all wasn't ready for that one. That was too deep for y'all. Each and every story I gave to you is centered around a desperation cry for help. Anybody going through some things in your personal life? Come on. You can use some deliverance in your life. You can use some freedom, an extra kick in the butt, so to speak. And you, can, you, you need to cry out to God for your financial issues. Cry out to God. For him to help you, to direct you, to, to really let you free. Cry out to God. Do you have a loved one who's sick, ailing? Some of us might have loved ones who are dying. Cry out to God. And he will set you free. My last story for you. Understand your tears carry power, amen? Your tears destroy things. Tears destroy death. Everyone cries. Somebody say, everyone cries. To the person next to you, everyone 
Christ. John chapter 11, the very well-known story of Jesus and Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, Jesus is out preaching and he hears word that Lazarus has gotten sick and then they come back again and say, Lazarus died. And Lazarus was Jesus' good friend. And when he heard that he had died, the Bible says something that truly amazes me. It says Jesus was troubled. Got y'all. The Bible says Jesus was troubled. And it amazed me that when he lost his friend, he was troubled. You see, can I, can I let you in on a secret? This tells me something. This tells me that it was time for Lazarus to die. It was not time for Lazarus to be resurrected. But because he was so troubled, now for all you Biblepedias, John chapter 11 verse 35 declares that Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Jesus had tears flowing from his face. Jesus wept. God wept. The light bearer, the Messiah, the one who brings hope into the world, the one who bears God's own love, he cried. He saw Lazarus' sisters and he was so moved by their struggle, by their hurt, by their pain, by their, their sickness, and by how messed up they were that their brother had just died. He cried, and he began to do something when he cried. He began to break the bondage of death over Lazarus' life. Y'all not trying to pick this up. Lazarus was already healed and raised up the moment that tear fell from Jesus' eyes. It was like a signal flare to his father. And then he just had to voice it and say, well, Lazarus, I know you're awake in there. Get out here. You ever seen one of those kids who, who would fake sleep? And you're, I know you're not sleeping. Wake up. You have to clean your room. I was an idiot because when I was a kid, I, I, would, I would squint my eyes so hard. I would go like this. Like I know you're not sleeping. How'd you know? Because your eyes were like this. And that's not how you look when you sleep. I was about when I was seven. That's a true story. I'm not kidding. What y'all laughing at me for? <laughs> and so you always know when something is not right, don't you? And Jesus was basically saying, uh-uh-uh, no, 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 this ain't right. I can't accept what happened. You have to get that kind of faith that when you cry out to God, no matter what your situation may be, that you realize God can fix anything. The Bible says when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's a statement to say to Jesus, isn't it? When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see the Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said, take away the stone. When he saw the family crying, 
he was deeply moved. Come on, stand with me. I challenge you today. The power of the church lies in our tears and our crying out to God. Tears are the home of Christian compassion. Come on, musicians. This is what we have to offer the world. They are signs of great compassion, of a deep and abiding divine love for the whole world. It's the deepest truth that we possess as Christians is our ability to cry out to God and Him hear us. From our tears springs actions. From Jesus' tears, He sprung into action and resurrected Lazarus. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. We pray right now that we would release the pride in this building. The hurts, the pain, the pressures inside. That God would open the gates, open the gates right now. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. And that he would allow us to begin to have faith in him. That he would answer us. You have too much need to pray like a mouse. We have too much necessity in our churches, in our world, in our families to always stay quiet and be prideful. Too much to do to stay still and not have faith now. You have more to be discovered than what lies on the surface of your life. And let me tell you, your situation is too serious for you to act like it was going to work itself out on its own. And you've been facing the things you've been facing. And you've been doing the things, going through those issues. Because you have refused to cry out to God. Whether through pride, through stubbornness, through anxiety, whatever it is. We have refused to cry out to God. We're closing out on 2010. Do you really want to go into the next year with the same issue? It's about time that we got off our Christian high horse and got into the true, spirit-filled, God-led, intercessory prayer, crying out to God and saying, God, I've been facing these things that I'm facing and I need to have your fingerprints on my life and not my own. I'm facing my issues in my home because I don't know how to act. In my marriage because I don't know how to act. In my families, in my job, in my finances, in my spiritual walk because I don't know how to act. As I pondered this, these things, this sermon, God was repeating in my spirit, tell the church to wake up. Wake up. That you would wake up in your life. God brought it to me and said basically in a sense in the smallest of ways it's like the church isn't praying they're just sleep talking because they're asleep everybody knows when you sleep talking you wake up you don't remember what you've been saying because you said it in your sleep so that's why I can promise you some of you can't remember what you prayed last night or the day before and we wonder why we don't get no answers because it wasn't important to us and we did it in our sleep God commands us to cry out to Him. God commands us to shout out to Him. It's never said to murmur quietly on your knees and pray. 
so God can hear you. Maybe you've never got authority in your prayer or authority in your voice. Or maybe you never got bold with the devil in your life. Maybe you never declared for a mountain to move in your life. Maybe you never had that faith in your life. And you were just stuck on muttering, murmuring prayers. Oh God, I want you to help me because God, I just need you. Instead of a heartfelt cry to God. Israel spent 40 years in the desert for murmuring. And we wonder why we're stuck in the position we're in. Truth be told, a message like today is for you to do what you want with it. Because I already know what I'm going to do with it. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. If I can get my ministers and my prayer team up here. Come on, is there anybody today, right now? Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass you. Anybody right now who says, I pastor... I've been walking away from God. Maybe you never made a decision for God. You haven't served God the way you should. Maybe you never gave your life to God. You never had that moment where you just need prayer right now. And you're saying, Pastor, I want to rededicate. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. Thank you. Wow. If that's you, come on, just raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're saying, Pastor, I'm so far from who I know I need to be. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. If you raise your hand, come meet our prayer team at the front right now. And you're saying, God, I just need more of you, God. I want that deeper, better relationship. And God, I need to cry out to you for some things in my life. I've been way too far for way too long. Come on, prayer team, let's pray for these people right now. I've been facing some things. I've been, I've been, I've been facing some issues, and I don't know how to react no more. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's pray right now over these people. I want to make a new commitment right now. I, I want restoration in my life. I, I feel myself so far apart from where I need to be. I'm lost in my own home sometimes. Come on, if that's you right now, come on, Janet, help them out right here. Come on, church, extend your hands. If you're in your seat, you're saying, hey, I got it together. I got it together in my life, and I don't need nothing right now. If that's you, Come on, pray for these people. Just extend your hand right now. As we lift up these people. Yvette, Yvonne, come on, help me out with these people. Start praying for some of these young ladies. Here. Start praying for some of these people in the end over here. We're just praying that God gives you an influx in your spirit. That you would realize that you have so much more to give God. Come on, is there anybody here who says, Pastor, I know I have more to give God. I just need him to help me do it. I need some prayer right now. If that's you, come on. Just come out to the front. God is doing an amazing thing in lives all across this church. And we believe that God will do it. We believe that God will do it in this house right now. We're believing that God can do the impossible. He is the God of the impossible right now. He is the God of the impossible right now. Father, we need your, we need your spirit right now. Oh, come on, that's right. Begin to cry out to God. Send them a signal right now. God, you've done it for me once before. I know, I know, I know, I know you can do it again. I want to make this right right now, God. I don't want to go another day, another moment in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's speak life right now. Evie, come on, help out, help out these women right now, Evie. All over that side right there. Come on, God, take over right now. If you're in your seat. Just pray that prayer. God, take over right now for these people who are seeking more of you. God, that we would have that power in this place. 
God, we have that authority in this house right now. We speak life into each and every individual right now in this altar. Freedom right now. Freedom right now. Holy Ghost anointing right now. We cast out every sickness, every infirmity in this place. Knowing that we serve an awesome God. We serve a mighty God. We serve a healer. Holy Spirit right now. Come on, if you're at this altar, just lift your hands. As a sign of surrender right now, say, God, I, I want to do it all over right now, God. I've been way too far for way too long. I want to do it over right now, God. Keep on praying right now. Come on right now. If, you, if you're at this altar, if you're in your seats, you want to say, I want to prepare the way for God to do a new thing in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Come on. Don't worry about who's around you. Say, I need something new in my life. I need something new in my spirit. I need something new right now. And I'm believing that God can do it. Just lift your hands. Come on, just lift your hands right now. God, we're surrendering. We're surrendering right now, God. Come on, tell him. Give us new hearts and new minds. For your glory is your name be lifted higher, higher, higher. Higher, higher, higher. Come on, tell we prepare. We prepare the way. We prepare the way. We prepare the way of the Lord. Come on, lift it up. Tell we prepare. We prepare the way. Be lifted high. Be lifted higher. 
Oh God, that your name would be lifted higher in my life, God. Come on, lift it higher right now, God, in my life, God. Come on, lift it up right now in my life, Holy Spirit. completely have your way. God, that our lives would exemplify, God, would model what you desire for us to be, God. God, I pray for every person who answered this altar call right now, for every person who didn't want to come up, God, that you would give them boldness and authority, God, to cry out to you for every last thing in their lives, God. That you would break their pride, God, before they wreck their lives, God. And that we would come after you, God, with authority, God, and boldness, God, with freedom. That we would chase after you, Holy Spirit. We need you in this house. We need you in this place right now. Come on, say this right now after me. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my home take control we need you Lord come on in Jesus name we pray come on I dare you to give somebody a hug around you tell them you love them in the love of the Lord come on 